It seems like a vicious cycle. If you think about life, we spend a lot of time eating. That we'll go to the dinner table, we'll find something to eat, perhaps in the refrigerator. We're satisfied for a while, and yet a short time later, we're coming back to do the same exact thing. I remember just a few years ago having a renewed appreciation of this fact whenever my parents would leave me in charge of watching over my brothers. Sometimes they would do it for an extended amount of time, and during that time I would have to prepare a meal, perhaps two. And I would have to go through the steps of preparing that meal. Eventually it would come to serving, and then I'd start cleaning up, and before I knew it, it was time again, and my brothers were already asking what was for dinner. Then, in fact, they were all too aware, and I had a whole new appreciation for what my mother went through each and every day, because there was always that cycle. There was being satisfied by food and then coming to hunger yet again. And we think about that, and that's a reality of life. Not one of us are removed from that experience, and yet we know how to satisfy that at least for a while. But is there something that's going to satisfy us forever? In fact, is there something that's going to satisfy even the deepest longings of our hearts, those places that cannot normally be satisfied by food? Is there something that can take care of that? Perhaps Moses has the answer. We look back to the book of Deuteronomy, and we hear Moses giving this account to the Israelites, and he's giving them a sort of reminiscent view of what has happened. Because he's speaking to them, and he's telling them, over the past 40 years, look at what has happened. We know that the Israelites are fairly short-term memory, at least in their recollection of things. And so Moses is trying to recall it for them. He's telling them about how they were brought forward on this journey, and how the Lord their God, during that time, he gave them this test to see whether they would follow the commandments or not. But during that time, they were afflicted with hunger. But they weren't just left to themselves. And in fact, the Lord provided something for them, that he gave them manna from heaven, that each and every morning as the dew dried up, they were left with flakes of bread, and they would go and gather this up for food. Indeed, the Lord provided that for them, that even their ancestors didn't have this privilege and didn't have this ability, even as they were in captivity to Egypt. And so as they're receiving this bread that comes down from heaven, they're receiving something from the Lord that is new. But the Lord is aware of that fact, and Moses even speaks to them, and he reminds them, it's not just by bread that we live, but it's also by the word of God. But nonetheless, look how much the Lord provided for you. But then he renews himself, and he continues onward, because he tells them about the plight that they suffered in the, in the desert and in their journey. Because he's telling them about the serpents, about the scorpions, about all of the different afflictions that they encountered. But what about thirst? Because they were in the middle of an arid desert. And so whenever they're in the middle of that arid desert, the Lord provides water, and not just in any way, but in a way that is so miraculous they couldn't have believed it if they hadn't seen it. That in fact, he has water come from a flint rock, one of the most dry of all rocks, and yet there's water gushing forth in the middle of a desert. But nonetheless, he reminds them that the Lord satiated their hunger, that he gave them water to satiate and quench their thirst, and, in fact, that was something that their ancestors hadn't even seen before. Truly, this is a miraculous occasion. But nonetheless, as we hear about these things, we know that the Israelites, they experienced being hungry and then being satisfied, being thirsty, and then finally being quenched. And yet the reality was they had to go through that cycle repeatedly that the Lord had to provide manna repeatedly every morning, that he had to continue to provide water for them because they were unable to do so themselves. 
And so were they truly satisfied for all of eternity? I dare say not. So then what does satisfy for that long? We move on to St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians, and we're reminded of St. Paul as he speaks to the church in Corinth about the one bread and the one cup. But he's not just doing this in in a sort of ethereal way, but he's really doubling down and trying to apply Eucharistic theology even as early as it might have been. That he's telling them, we receive of the one cup, is that not the blood of Christ? We receive of the one bread, is that not the body of Christ? That he's speaking about this unifying aspect, that even though they are in church in Corinth and perhaps they see the church in Rome and the other churches all around, that they're all unified around these two elements, the one bread and the one cup. But notice, if these were just ordinary elements of bread and wine, would they have been satisfied? Would that have been enough? Because I dare say we've all experienced, at least in some way, that experience of having bread and perhaps some sort of beverage. And we know that we're satisfied for a while, but then we start to look for more. And even if we have the greatest, we have the best of breads and the choicest of wines, that even that doesn't satisfy us for very long. That it's only a mere few hours later and we're looking for more. And so that's not really going to satisfy us either. But St. Paul's already on to something. This isn't just ordinary bread. This isn't just an ordinary cup, but there's something more powerful here. And we finally arrive at the gospel according to John. In John 6, in fact, which has been titled the Bread of Life Discourse, that Jesus is speaking to the Jewish crowds and he's telling them about the bread from heaven, that bread of life, the bread that is in fact his flesh. And we know that he's very clear on this, that there is no ambiguity, because when he speaks to the Jews, the Jews start to quarrel and dispute amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That we know that Jesus was not mincing words. And he didn't back away, he didn't say anything else, but he doubled down on what he was saying. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. But whoever does, they have life and they will be brought to life on the last day. And in fact, he even speaks further, that he tells them that whoever eats his flesh and drinks his blood remains in him. And he tells them that this is unlike any other bread or any other wine or anything else that they've had before. Because their ancestors, they ate and drank and they died. But whoever eats and drinks of these things will live forever. The body, the bread has become his body. The wine has become his blood. Truly, Jesus is speaking about something monumental, something important, something that is earth-shattering and unprecedented, something that has never been done before. He's speaking about the Eucharist. Because if we think about the reality of what Jesus offers, we hear about the Last Supper, how that is the first Mass, how he offers us his body and his blood in the appearances of bread and wine. What's further on the cross that Good Friday? He offers over his body and his blood in a very real and vivid way in the crucifixion. But now we receive them in the mystery of the Eucharist each and every time we come to Mass. Isn't that profound? And perhaps this is indeed the thing that satisfies. Perhaps this is the thing that's going to lead us to all eternity. Perhaps this is the element that is going to bring us to life, and not just life in this world, but in the life to come. In fact, eternal life. 
Because my brothers and sisters, what we celebrate today as Corpus Christi, as the most holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're not just celebrating something arbitrary, but we're celebrating something that is called the source and summit of our faith. It is the very core of what we believe. The fact that Jesus Christ is here and he wants to be present to us time and time again. But that's not just a presence for us to look at. But it's a presence that we're privileged to receive, though unworthy. That our Lord Jesus Christ wants to be so intimately connected to us that we can receive nourishment by him. And not just physical nourishment, but spiritual nourishment as well. We know that when we consume food, it becomes a part of us. What more powerful sign that when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, that he too becomes part of us, and we start to become like him. That in fact, when we receive the Eucharist, when we receive his body and his blood, that is why he's telling us to remain in him, that whoever receives these things will be incorporated further and further into him. That this isn't just a gift that fades away, but it's something that continues to provide for us. But even in those physical ways and in those spiritual ways, there's even more profound ways. Because, in fact, whenever we receive the Eucharist, we receive grace, we receive life, we receive that nourishment, and even the nourishment that we need in ways that we couldn't have ever imagined. The graces that we need to get through another day. The graces that we need throughout the week. The graces and that divine aid that we need to do well on our journey. Because, my brothers and sisters, it's not just the Israelites that are on a journey, but you and I are on a journey as well. That we're journeying not just in a sort of physical way, not just down the road, but we are journeying towards eternal life. And please, God, we're getting closer to the kingdom of heaven each and every moment that we live. But we need sustenance. We need food for that journey. We need something that's going to help us to endure the length of that journey and all of the afflictions, all of the sorrows, all of the trials that come our way that the Lord overabundantly provides for us in the Eucharist if we but receive it with faith. And that really is the challenge, my brothers and sisters. Because the world today, it tells us to be satisfied. It tells us that we need to seek whatever fulfills us. But so often it shoves religion to the side and says, that can't be it. But it is. Because the Eucharist is going to provide for us in ways that we cannot expect or imagine. That even the most deepest of your needs right now, the Eucharist can fill that place if you're willing to let it. The blood of Christ can wash away even the worst of our sins if you're but willing to approach this altar and the throne of grace. Because my brothers and sisters, the Lord is providing this for us because he wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to receive what we need. He wants us to be able to make it through this journey and not just barely, but he wants us to be able to make it abundantly. That he wants to give us this gift of the Eucharist because he knows we don't have strength for the journey on our own. We don't have the ability to make it. That eventually we would be so hungry and so thirsty that we could not go on. But with the Eucharist, we are given exactly what we need. But think about this for a moment. I asked the question at the beginning, what truly satisfies? Because my brothers and sisters, so often in life we can settle for things that are less than our Lord. We can settle for those things that are going to get in the way of it, in fact, or even start to distract us from what really matters in life. But so often we can settle on money, we can settle on prestige, popularity, and all sorts of different things that we can really get focused in on those things because we think that they're going to satisfy us, make us fulfilled, or even make us whole, or even heal our woundedness. 
But my brothers and sisters, none of these things really do. In fact, they might satisfy for a while. They might provide us what we need, but at the end of the day, we wind up feeling quite empty or alone or afraid or fearful because we haven't received what we need. But the Eucharist is different because the Eucharist is our Lord, that it is truly Jesus Christ who is substantially present, who is very really present to us in the Eucharist. It might look like ordinary bread. It might look like ordinary wine. But our Lord himself tells us it is not. That in fact, it is his body. It is his blood, even though it might appear to be something else. That this is truly our Lord Jesus Christ who came and suffered and died for us and offered us his body and his blood. Because my brothers and sisters, he wants us to receive these gifts. He wants us to receive the abundance of grace and everything that we need. Because, my brothers and sisters, it can be so easy to set it to the side. That there should be this reality that we should be yearning for more. That we should be looking for the Eucharist. We should be longing for unity with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is something that sets us apart. That as Catholics, we are the only religion that has their Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, in the Eucharist, in his body, and in his blood. We are the only ones, no matter who says otherwise. That our Lord, every time we come to Mass, he enters into our presence yet again. And in a way that no other religion, no other Christian denomination, and no one else can ever touch. Aren't we a privileged people, though unworthy? Because, my brothers and sisters, this Eucharist that we celebrate each and every time we come to Mass, the Church gives us this moment to reflect on this reality because it is so important, it's so profound, it's so essential, and it's so satisfying that even the deepest longings of my heart and your heart, that the Eucharist can enter into those places. No matter what hurt, no matter what the affliction is, no matter where we are as dry as a desert, that the Lord wants to come pouring into those places and to give us what we need. We can't forsake that reality. Because, my brothers and sisters, there's a million reasons why we might have an excuse not to come to Mass. There are all sorts of things that, com that compete for our attention, our time, and our treasure. There are all sorts of things that this world tells us are more important than coming to Mass on Sunday. But are they really? Because, my brothers and sisters, if we're making excuses away from the Eucharist, we're never going to be satisfied in this life. We're never going to be fulfilled. We're never going to find the happiness, the peace, and the security that our Lord can provide in the Eucharist. That is why the Church gives us this moment to reflect on the beauty of the Eucharist, to reflect on the reality of our Lord's presence, that He is holy, body, soul, blood, and divinity present to us in the Eucharist, because he wants to be received by you and I. That he wants to give us the food and the sustenance and the satisfaction and fulfillment that we all desire. My brothers and sisters, we all have longings within our hearts. We all have areas where we're afflicted. We have areas where we might even be struggling with faith or we might be struggling with doubt or all sorts of different things that might get in the way of our relationship with God. We just might be struggling in general. But the Lord wants to provide for us in abundance with the Eucharist. He doesn't leave us to our own devices, but he wants us to be filled, not just for a moment, not just for a time, not just in this life, but in the life to come as we journey towards the kingdom of heaven. Oftentimes, we are settling for food. We're settling for that thing that oftentimes will satisfy us for a time, but then it leaves us empty and wanting for more later. 
But we know that we have the source of abundance. We have Jesus Christ himself in the Eucharist, his body, his blood, his soul and divinity, who's present to us, and he gives us to uh, those to us to nourish us, to feed us, to satisfy us, and to fulfill us. My brothers and sisters, we celebrate the most holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ today. May we never settle for anything less than these elements, the body and blood of Christ, who ultimately seek to satisfy and fulfill our every longing and our every desire.